0: Welcome to Commuting the Cosmos, where this episode we're going to continue our investigation of the Dark Universe. Following on from last episode and our crash course in dark matter, it's only fitting that we complete the package and discuss the mysterious phenomenon known as Dark Energy. To do this, let's discuss the expansion of the universe, evidence towards its acceleration, what dark energy could be and its consequences, and then for fun, I'll bring up a few common misunderstandings and then clear them right up. So let's start with the basics. The universe is expanding. If we look at a galaxy far away, it appears to be receding from us, and the further away the galaxy, the faster it seems to be moving away from us. And it's not just us, you would see this no matter which galaxy you happen to live in and regardless of which galaxy you happen to look at. A common way of thinking about this is that the space between the galaxies is expanding. So if space is expanding at let's say 70 kilometers per second per megaparsec, where a megaparsec is just a different unit of distance, a galaxy that is one megaparsec away will appear to be moving away from us at 70 kilometers per second. A common analogy to describe this is blowing up a balloon. If you take a balloon, and before you blow it up, cover it in tiny little dots, as you start and then continue to blow up the balloon, all the dots move away from each other. The dots in this example are the galaxies, and the balloon and its stretching represents the expansion of space. Unfortunately, this analogy isn't perfect, and it actually leads to a misunderstanding that we get asked about quite a lot. Because a balloon is an object that lives in space. And so when you blow up a balloon, it expands into space. And so people come to us and they ask, so what's the universe expanding into? And it's very important to highlight that a balloon and the universe are quite different things. And whilst a balloon needs to expand into something, the universe doesn't. Great. So now that that's out of the way, I should point out that the expansion of the universe is not a big deal you can have an expanding universe without dark energy. The difference is, if the expansion is accelerating, then something funky must be happening. In a universe that doesn't have dark energy, and all you have is matter, well, you have gravity. And gravity means that all the matter is attracted to itself. And if that's the case, if you have some initial expansion of space, it should slow down as the attractive force of gravity tries to pull everything back together. Something is speeding up the expansion of the universe, and that something is what we call dark energy. Let's make this a little bit more technical. We know that the expansion is accelerating thanks to efforts to map out the expansion history of the universe. Most notably, Brian Schmidt, Saul Perlmutter and Adam Rees were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2011 for discovering this acceleration, and they did this in work they did in the late 90s using supernova. And where supernova are exploding stars and they represent standard candles that we can use to measure the expansion history of the universe. We do this because supernova give us two things, how bright they look and how redshifted they are. Now I touched on what redshift was in the previous episode and it's just the stretching of light. In the previous episode, I described this by essentially using the Doppler effect with sound and having that analogous to light, and that's a fine way of thinking about it. However, there's another way of thinking about it that I'll introduce now, and it's simply that light, as it travels through space, where space is expanding, expands with space. So if billions of years ago blue light was emitted around 500 nanometers of wavelength and it's been traveling throughout space for billions of years and during the time whilst it's been traveling space has expanded by a factor of two, then when the light reaches our telescopes we would see it at a thousand nanometers, which is now in the infrared. So it's gone from blue down to infrared simply because it's been stretched as it's traveled to us. And you'll notice that that means that redshift is a direct measurement of the amount of expansion the universe has undergone. But this is only useful to us if we know how long the light has been travelling, and that's where the brightness of the supernova is so useful. Because supernova all the same brightness, a supernova that looks four times as dim as another supernova must be twice as far away. And because light travels at the same speed, that also must mean that the light has been traveling through space for twice as long. So what we can do is measure as many supernovae as we can and say, look, this one here, it's five times as old as the others and the light from it is redshifted by this amount. This one here is three times as old and this has been redshifted by this amount. And you can have all these data points that link the age and the redshift amount. And you can use that to map out the expansion history. This technique was first applied to supernova, however since the late 90s, we've come across many other phenomenon which either represent standard candles or standard rulers. Where standard rulers you can do exactly the same thing as supernova, but instead of using the brightness of the object, you can use how large it appears to us. And that's because if you know how large something actually is, you can figure out how far away it must be for it to appear how large you see it. So if we know the actual diameter of the moon, we can look up on the sky and say, hey, it's around 1 degree across, it must therefore be this far away from us. On top of that, we also have evidence for dark energy in things like the cosmic microwave background, and gravitational lensing, and a bunch of different sources, so this is very much a case of multiple independent avenues of evidence pointing towards the existence of dark energy. This isn't something that... Could simply not be there. And that leads us to asking the question alright, it exists, so what is it? And for that, I want to scratch my head and say that's an amazing question, you tell me. The most popular hypothesis at the moment is known as vacuum energy, which is also known as a cosmological constant. Originally, Einstein added a term to his equations of general relativity to try and get a static universe, before we found out the universe wasn't actually static. But it turns out, if you add that same constant back in but with a slightly different value, it exactly mimics dark energy. And conceptually, what this constant represents is if the vacuum of space has non-zero energy. And great news, under quantum mechanics, the vacuum of space is subject to quantum fluctuations, which means that the vacuum of space should have energy. And so people went away and they calculated how much energy this should have, and it's not pretty. Attempts to calculate the amount of energy that there should be, well, it now has the name vacuum catastrophe, so I'll let you figure out where they were successful. So this catastrophe is referred to as the worst theoretical prediction in the history of physics, and that's because the value predicted for the amount of energy in the vacuum of space, compared to the observed amount of energy, well they disagree by 120 orders of magnitude. You can get it down to 60 or so orders of magnitude if you take certain things like Lorentz invariance into account but 60 orders of magnitude is still absolutely horrific. In fact, I don't know how to describe how horrific it is, because every time I try and find an example that illustrates it adequately, it falls far short. But here are a few that that I came up with. If you predicted that the distance from the Earth to the sun was a millimeter, you're only 13 orders of magnitude wrong. If you predict that the diameter of the entire galaxy is a millimeter, well, you're only 24 orders of magnitude wrong. If you predict that the size of the entire observable universe is the same size as a hydrogen atom, you're only 36 orders of magnitude wrong. So getting up to 60 orders of magnitude or 120 is actually very impressive. Be that as it may, It still might be vacuum energy, that might be in fact the correct explanation, and the issue is simply that we haven't yet unified general relativity and quantum mechanics. And it's not just in this case that they don't disagree. Unifying quantum mechanics and general relativity is essentially the largest or at least most significant bit of work remaining for the physics community. A theory that would manage to unite the two would be called a unified theory of everything, and it's been hunted for for decades. However, it is extremely difficult, simply because we're dealing with the two opposite regimes on the planet, or should I say the universe. First, quantum mechanics, which deals with the tiniest of all scales, and then general relativity, which describes the space-time manifold itself. Now, in order to not put all our eggs in one proverbial basket, there are numerous astronomical surveys ongoing at the moment that are trying to determine if the cosmological constant method of modeling dark energy is in fact correct. And the way that we do this is by looking at something called the dark energy equation of state. And you can think of that as simply how does dark energy change over time if it changes over time at all. So, is it getting stronger in the future? Is it getting weaker? And at the moment, we don't know. Everything is consistent with the cosmological constant, and so we need to drill down even deeper to see if there are any slight fluctuations away from this constant value that might indicate some sort of fancy new physics. So, that's part of the work that I'm doing with the Dark Energy Survey, and stay tuned in the next couple of years, maybe we'll have an answer Maybe we won't, I really have no idea at this point. I wish I had more potential hypotheses or explanations to give you over dark energy. There are a few things that have been postulated about modifications to general relativity, however I really just sum them all up in that one small sentence, and the only thing more I can do is get into the really technical mathy details which no one wants. Which means it's time to jump into a few of those common misunderstandings that a lot of people have about dark energy. And the first of them is a question that we get asked a lot, and it is, are we expanding because of dark energy? That is, if space itself is expanding, and there's space everywhere, are we expanding with it? And the answer to this one is no, because we're gravitationally bound objects. Here's an analogy and it's a bit tortured and a bit hard to follow but if you'll bear with me maybe it'll work. So imagine you have a mass supported by a hanging spring like a bowling ball just dangling from the roof. You don't touch it it's in equilibrium it's not moving up or down and where it lies that is how far that spring has been pulled down just represents the equilibrium between the spring's force and gravity's force. Dark energy would be like if you added a very small spring from the ground up to that bowling ball. So a spring that is trying to pull the bowling ball down. What would happen is that the bowling ball would simply come to a new equilibrium position. It might shift down a little bit in response to that spring, but once it shifted, it then stops moving. Everything is in balance. And so that's what dark energy would do. It would simply change that equilibrium position without inducing some sort of continual motion or expansion in the object. And because dark energy is billions upon billions of times less strong than gravity or electromagnetism, in the analogy, the spring, which is now billions upon billions of times weaker than the spring supporting the ball from the roof, well, you wouldn't even notice the change. It would be completely insignificant. So in case that analogy hasn't made too much sense, the answer is simply no. Dark energy doesn't affect things that are gravitationally bound unless there are billions upon billions upon billions of empty kilometers of space between those objects which could potentially cause it to expand fast enough that it overpowers gravity. For something like us, or the Earth, or the solar system, or even the entire galaxy, that's simply not the case. Dark energy is extraordinarily weak on those scales. And this leads into the second misunderstanding, which is the big rip. Some people worry that if the universe is expanding and the expansion is accelerating, well what if it keeps accelerating and it keeps getting faster and faster? Whilst at the moment dark energy is weak and If you're in the galaxy or the solar system, gravity wins. If dark energy keeps strengthening, well then maybe one day dark energy will win, and it'll tear the galaxy and the solar system or even ourselves apart. This would not be fun. And to those people I say, don't worry, it'll all be fine, and that's because... If the cosmological constant is correct, the universe is accelerating, or should I say the expansion is accelerating, however it's accelerating and approaching an asymptotic value. Or let me put it this way, the number that I threw out at the start of the episode, 70 kilometers per second per megaparsec, represents the expansion of the universe at the current time. If that number was to grow over time and continue increasing, eventually it would cause a big rip, the galaxy would be torn apart. However, that number is actually shrinking, and the reason that the expansion of the universe is accelerating, and not decelerating, is because of space itself. For example, if two galaxies were initially at 1 megaparsec distance from each other, and the universe was expanding at 70 kilometers per second per megaparsec, eventually, space would expand, and the two galaxies would be 2 megaparsecs away from each other. But if they're now 2 megaparsecs away, then they're expanding away from each other at 140 kilometers per second because that 70 gets multiplied by 2. And then if you wait the same amount of time, you'll find that the galaxies are 4 megaparsecs away because their expansion velocity, or their recession velocity, was twice what it was before. Now they're 4 times away, it'll be 4 times, and everything starts to speed away from each other at this exponential rate. That's the acceleration. And it doesn't mean that the rate of space expanding is actually increasing because it's simply that there's more and more space to expand at the same rate. So that means no, we should not have a big rip because at the moment there's no evidence suggesting that Hubble's constant is increasing, that is the rate at which space is expanding is increasing. In fact, we believe it is decreasing. It's currently at around 70 kilometers per second per megaparsec And we anticipate that over many billions upon billions of years, it will approach around 58 kilometers per second per megaparsec. All right, I think I've said megaparsec enough for this episode. So I'll wrap it up here. And hopefully you have some potentially better understanding of dark energy. If you have an amazing understanding of dark energy now and think you know what it is, please let me know. The same deal applies To this episode, as it does to every episode, you know, if you have a great idea, you share it with me, I'll write it up, publish it, if it gets a Nobel Prize, I'll put your name on it, we'll split it 50-50, and we'll live lives of total luxury. So if you do have those ideas, or you have questions you want answered in any future episode, please let me know, send an email down to commutingthecosmos at gmail.com, or just visit my personal website, cosmiccoding.com.au, and submit a question right through there. Anyway, that's all for this episode. Hope it's been enjoyable, and hopefully we can talk about another fun topic of space quite soon.